As we uh, kind of sink into a little bit more this theme of joy, uh, let's, let's read together uh, part of the, the birth narrative. Um, so this is about the shepherds. So Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly uh, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So he tells them that it will be good news of great joy. And there's a lot of emphasis uh, in, in the church on the, on the good news, the, the gospel of Christ, uh, this proclamation that the long-awaited deliverer has been born. And uh, but it says good news of great joy for all the people. And so um, that word joy, I really started to think about it and um, was like, I don't know that I've ever had to really define it before, you know? It's kind of one of those things where you just kind of know, you kind of know what it means. Um, but that can be, you know, very tricky because joy is like, it's this theme all throughout the Bible. Um, not only joy here in this moment, but there's all sorts of references to the people of God rejoicing and celebrating and God being a, a God who rejoices. We see it from the beginning all the way, all the way to the end of the scriptures. And so joy is this, is this theme that, uh, is, can, it's very important that we understand what it is. And because joy is, it's a feeling, you know, it's, it's, it's emotive. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard to pin that down because Sometimes it, it, we confuse joy with happiness, but they're not the same because, as we'll see, you can be unhappy and be joyful at the same time. So sometimes we get those, those confused. Sometimes we, get, we kind of connect joy to like circumstances being favorable in some way, like things are going your way, and so you're, you're joyful, you know? But that's not really the case either because we see in the scriptures that your circumstances can be uh, like really terrible and yet you can still have joy. And sometimes because it's an emotion and a feeling, we, we kind of um, label certain people as having joy because they are like positive, you know, they smile and those kinds of things. And they're, um, they're just like those folks that are like, oh yeah, like we talk about joy. I think about this kind of person. Or you think about a certain kind of expression, you know, like smiling or uh, the people who love to clap when the, when the worship songs are fast, you know, like those kinds of things. Like those are, those are, that's what joy is. And a lot of times we, we, we limit it so much because we assign it to um, being happy and to circumstances being a certain way and certain, per, certain personalities have joy and those kinds of things. And I think what we'll see is really that, that uh, joy has, it has a depth and a breadth to it that is uh, just far more significant than that. So here, here are a couple of things that we need to know about joy uh, that we see in the scriptures. Um, 
And I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures today. You don't need to turn to all of them. We'll, we'll put them on the screen. But um, here, here, here's the first thing to know about joy is that joy begins with God. Like he is, like uh, that is, he is the point of origin for joy. You know how with, like when you go to the doctor or the ER or something like that and, and you're in pain and sometimes they have like the chart of like faces from one extreme to the other, you know, and like one end it's like, per, like smiles and the other end is like red and angry and whatever. And they're like, where are you one to 10? Where are you on the chart? You know, you find your like emoji or whatever. Um, I think if you were to, to survey people and they were to be honest and you were to take that chart and you'd say, what do you think God's countenance is like? I don't know that everyone would go to the end of the spectrum of like big smile, you know? I, I don't know that we automatically think of God as being full of joy. There's in, in who he is, that, that he is the happiest, most joyful being in the entire universe. Um, Sometimes we probably feel like, like God has kind of a scowl on his face or kind of a, that disapproving look or, you know, there's all kinds of different things. And that's why we are very drawn to Jesus because he always seems to be very kind and very measured and that kind of stuff. But um, do we think about Jesus like loving to party, you know, like not in, not in, you know, not that kind of party, but like Jesus loving a celebration, Jesus being just loving to laugh and just enjoy just people and enjoy the father and enjoy all that. But that's what the, that's a picture that the Bible paints for us actually is that joy begins with God. Here are a couple of scriptures. Uh, the first one, uh, we know this as the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There's no law. The fruit of the spirit, what that means is that um, it's, if you're looking at a tree and you're like, what kind of tree is that? Well, you look for the fruit that it produces. And so if it, if it produces lemons, then that is a, is a lemon tree. And so the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces um, are like, the, these are like different ways of describing the fruit that shows up in, in life. And so the fruit of the spirit is also describing God himself in all these different ways. So God is love. He is peace. He is patient. He is all those things. And so God is joy. That's a fundamental part of who he is. Um, we see this in Genesis 1, 31, at the end of creation. He says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He is pleased with what he has created. He's not creating something like, I don't know, I probably could have done better. You know, he's like, yes. This is amazing, so amazing. I'm going to take a day off and just soak it up and enjoy it. Um, joy comes from God. Isaiah 62, uh, it's kind of an interesting part of, of history, but um, God is bringing encouragement to his people. And he says, uh, verse 5, For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That God is a rejoicing God over his children. If you could have ha- had a camera on every parent and grandparent in here watching their kids up here, it was, jo- it, was, it was blissful joy. That's how parents are toward their kids. That's how God is toward us. Um, it says in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you by his love. He'll exult over you with loud singing. This joy begins with God. He is joyful. That's who he is. And so before we get too far down the road, that has to be in our fundamental definition is uh, this is not just some emotion that's kind of floating out there. This is like, like a part of who God inherently is, is joy. Uh, the second thing is that Jesus shares his joy with us. So Jesus, the word made flesh, dwelt among us. Um, he is the embodiment of, of all the, of the fruit of the spirit we just saw. And we see that at various points in his ministry. And so he has this, this powwow with his disciples uh, before his arrest and you know, crucifixion and everything. And he's sharing all these things with them, all these things with them. There's three different times he circles back to this idea. John 15, 11 says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. He, he wants his joy to be literally inside of the disciples, which we are grafted into and we're a part of. Then in chapter 16, verse 22, same conversation. He says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. No one can take that from you. Because I am sharing that with you. My joy is a part of you and nothing can get to it. And they, in typical fashion, they probably weren't picking up on the pattern. So he comes back to it again. Verse, uh, sorry, chapter 17, verse 13. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. It's not just for this little group of disciples. It is it's for his joy to, to be imparted to the, the, like the identity to it become inherently a part of every one of his disciples. And so joy begins with God, and a part of what Jesus shares with us is his joy. In, in other words, um, he wants us to be joyful over the same things that he's joyful over. So whatever he finds joy in, he wants you to find joy in the same thing, which I think, I think we understand that a little bit, you know, because whenever someone is really passionate about something, they also want you to be passionate about it. They become this like advocate for whatever it may be. But the things I usually reference in this like thing, cause it's kind of become part of my like spiel here is the like Enneagram, right? The Enneagram is a personality test. It breaks you into nine different numbers and People who are into the Enneagram, they are into the Enneagram. And they want you to be into the Enneagram. And if you're not into the Enneagram, they make it their mission to make you into the Enneagram. (laughs) Trust me. Uh, Essential oils, same thing. People love and believe in essential oils. (laughs) Love them. Passionately believe in them. To the point where if if you don't believe in them, they will buy you like a diffuser and sample oils and they will bring it to your house and they will set it up. Or they will rub it on their hands and smear it on your temples. They will find a way for you to also become passionate about it. People want you to love what they love. It's just, it's not, it's naturally a thing. And Jesus wants you and I to be full of joy over the same things that fill him with joy. And so he says, I'm going to share this with you. He wants us to know the joy of the Trinity. 
to know the, the, that agape has said, those love words that we've studied. He wants us to know the love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and how much they love one another and how much they love us. He wants us to know that and for that to fill us. And so our joy is an extension of his joy. So if, if we're to go back to the lemon tree idea, the, uh, the trunk of the tree soaks up all the water and the nutrients, and then pushes all that into the branches, and then the branches produce lemons. Jesus says, uh, I'm the trunk of the tree. <clears throat> you, are the, <clears throat> you are the branches of the tree. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So when we are joyful, when that is produced in our lives, it is because his life is flowing into our life and through our lives and producing something that is bigger than ourselves. So joy begins with God. Joy is shared uh, with us by Jesus. And the third thing is that joy, joy involves the, the soul. And this is a part of what distinguishes it from happiness. Um, if, if, you were to, if you were to think of, of yourself in, in, in two ways, there's the material you and there's the immaterial you. So the material you is the, that's the flesh and bones. That's the, the, the brain that you have. That's like this, this, this reality. Um, and then there's the immaterial you, which is, is the soul. So if you think of it uh, upon your death, those two things will separate. One will go into the ground. One will uh, go to be with the Lord. Joy is about the part of you that will go, will go to be with the Lord and has like is created for an eternal life. Happiness is uh, happiness isn't necessarily a soul thing. Happiness is a like physical life thing, is a material life thing. Now, they sometimes they feel the same, sometimes they look the same, but we have to understand that 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 joy is when your soul is happy, when the part of you that will live forever is elated with something. That's, that's why the Bible speaks of, of these situations that, that at first glance are like, how can you be joyful when you're, when you're facing that? For example, here's a couple of, of ideas. First Thessalonians 5, Paul tells them this. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And you're like, rejoice always? I mean, you, you heard Jessica's story a minute ago. I mean, how, how in the world can you look someone in the eye and say, rejoice always when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death? You know? I remember um, being with my brother Joe and his wife Nicole when they lived in Nashville and they flooded um, and was up there with them and a church group came by and they, had, they gave them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a bag, and it had uh, a Bible verse in it. And it said, the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Like, what? You're telling someone who just lost everything and has no idea what to do in a flash flood that they barely escaped with their lives, and you're going to tell them this basic thing, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Don't you forget that. Well, if... If we're thinking, uh, if we're not thinking in terms of there, us being in two different senses, 
then that, that seems impossible if we're just this one thing. And granted, they're very much connected. But there is a soul part of you that, that can rejoice in those things. That's why the Bible speaks of it in that way. In 1 Peter 1, Peter is talking about the, the future that God has guaranteed for us. And he says in verse 6, in, in this you rejoice, like in this idea of this guaranteed future, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, even though it's tested by fire, may be found in result, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's like, okay, so I'm supposed to be able to... Um, to go through all this difficulty and this darkness and rejoice and see it as like this light and temporary kind of thing. Oh, for a little while, you have to maybe face some trials. When you're in the worst that life has to offer. Philippians 1, here's Paul, who's in prison. Verse 18, what then? Uh, it says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. In that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live and to die, uh, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. How can, how can he say that? In Nehemiah, they, chapter 8, they, they've just realized that they've basically been messing everything up with the Lord, and they're broken over this. And God says to them uh, in verse 10, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible speaks in, 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 the, in these ways about joy because joy is a soul thing. Happiness and circumstances going your way and people who smile a lot and all those kinds of things, those are all very much like in terms of our physical, material lives that are temporary. But when we talk about joy, we're talking about the, the depths of, of who you are. When the, when the who God has made you to be forever, when that part of you is happy, that is, that's joy. So, it begins with God. Jesus shares it with us as, as the trunk of a tree shares water and nutrients with its branches. And when joy is produced, it is because your soul has found something to celebrate. Now, what, how, how do we how do we do that? You know, especially especially given just the state of the world that we're in, and the things that we have to go through in between the, his first arrival and his second arrival. The fact that we have these amazing things like these kids—it's so easy to for your soul to rejoice in what they're doing. But what about the darker stuff? What about the fact that we threw a Christmas party yesterday for 40 adults who are essentially homeless and their minds will not work ever 
until Jesus comes back. And we have to watch that. We have to watch homelessness. We have to watch poverty. We have to watch war. We have to watch uh, all, the, all, of, all of these just people hurting each other, all this brokenness. How can our souls find something to rejoice over in the midst of that? How do we walk, walk in this? Um, I think from what I can tell, based on what, what, where joy shows up in the Bible, it seems like the key to that is, is celebrating God's activity. How do we walk in joy? We celebrate God's activity. So how do we kind of flesh that out a little bit? I think we begin with, you have to recognize God's activity. You, know? you can't celebrate it if you don't realize that he's doing something. In the Bible, we see celebration happening kind of in, in three different frames of, of reference. One would be they're celebrating the fact that God has done something, like the Passover. They would celebrate that year after year after year after year, referencing that God rescued them from Egypt. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're, we're celebrating something that he has done uh, there is this realization of like, remember the time he did this um, incredible thing among us. So sometimes it's his activity is what he has done. Another sense that we see it in the Bible is they're celebrating what he's doing in this very moment. That God is, is in our midst, that he is moving, that he's doing something right here, right now. Um, whether that's you are alone in your room or in your car or whatever, you might be in a, with a group of friends or in a community group or in a church service or any other setting, but you're like, right now, he is active. Or you start to look forward at something he's going to do. It's like when, when you read those parts of Revelation and he's talking about the new earth and wiping every tear from our eyes and the, 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 the tree is for the healing of the nations. There's all these things that are in our future and there's that part of you that just gets stirred up. So it's a part of it is a part of like celebrating God's activity is how do we realize that he's here? It is us like in, intentionally recognizing God has done something. God is doing something. God is going to do something, whatever, whatever context you might find yourself in. So if we go back to the, to the, there's the shepherds on the hillside and the, the angels say, I'm, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. They're, they're saying, okay, so God, he has done something. In that he had promised this night is going to happen. And so for all of these years, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, faithfully, most, mostly faithful. A lot of them were faithful. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And now he brings it into the present. And he says, for you, like today, is born the Savior, the one you've been waiting for. It's happening right now. And it's going to be good news of great joy for all the people. And that's kind of forward thinking as what Jesus does spreads throughout the earth. And so there's this forward thinking there. So when he says it's good news of great joy, he's kind of pulling the past and the present and the future all into this one big bundle. And he's essentially saying people are going to like party about this forever. Like this is something that will be celebrated forever. So the first part of celebrating God's activity is recognizing that God is active. He's active in our past, active in our present, active in our future. Now, what do you, what do, you do w- with that? Well, Jesus gives us a, a hint. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. 
Verse one, it's talking about running the race set before you and throwing off everything that hinders you. And then it says this is looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says that joy was, was set before him. Like you're, you're at a restaurant, the waiter or waitress brings you your food and they set it before you. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And we don't really know what that means necessarily, you know. It could be that the Holy Spirit gave him insight about something and that was the joy set, like set in front of him. It could be that uh, even going back to what we were saying about him sharing joy with the disciples, maybe he was like, man, to sh- the joy set before him was the fact that he gets to share that with his disciples, that they're going to finally get a clue about what love looks like. You know, It could be going back in, in Isaiah 53 where uh, these, the, the prophecies were going to come true about him um, like bearing our iniquities, but, but yet many being accounted righteous. I mean, maybe, maybe he was like... Isaiah 53 is about to happen. Like the good, the bad part and the good part. Whatever was set before him though, he said, because of what I'm looking at, it is absolutely worth it for me to continue through what I have to face. So you recognize that God is doing something and then you put it before you and you just like weigh it out. In light of what I'm looking at in front of me, what do I do? For Jesus, he looked at the joy set before him and said, it's worth it for me to endure the cross. For you and I, you put God's activity in front of you and say, what do I do in light of this? And when that joy evokes in your soul, you celebrate it. Now, maybe you celebrate it in a worship service. Maybe you celebrate it with your hands in the air and you're singing Maybe you celebrate it uh, by being the one who's like, I'm going to start the clap going here on two and four, right? Where it's supposed to be. You know, we're going to, we can get this room moving. Maybe you celebrate it in tears though. You know, maybe you celebrate it in prayer. Maybe you celebrate it by just continuing down the path of righteousness like Jesus did even though it would require his life. Um, Somehow you celebrate it. And that's joy. When you recognize God is active and you weigh that out and you let that sink into your soul and kick up whatever it is. And whatever celebration looks like in that moment, that's what you do. From one end of the, from the like big smile on your face, you know, to the, all the way to the tears that you just don't know how you're going to make it. All those things can be joy and are joy because joy is about the soul. So how does this fit into a real life? A couple of things. Um, in the normal rhythms of your life. God has done something and he is doing something. He will do something. All all that is happening all the time. Um, 
it's just a matter of like how do I how do I identify that? How do how do I like how do I get tuned into that? Um, something something like a like like us gathering on Sunday mornings, you know, like. The realization of what we do, like what what this means, when all the rescued ones get into the same room, you know, and we begin to sing of our Redeemer and our Rescuer and the goodness and the faithfulness of our God, you know. Sometimes it's hard to do though because it's sometimes it's a task to get here, you know. And you got a full day ahead. And sometimes it takes a while to get the old mind kind of zeroed in. But this should be the most joyful, like, group gathering of the week for many of us, you know. So we have to recognize, though, that God is here doing something. God has put together these songs and this sermon and those verses and these uh, conversations and all, he is sovereignly working all this together so that my soul would be happy in him and that would kick up joy in the midst of whatever it is I'm facing. There's those normal rhythms of life. There's, there's like the best parts of life where it's, it's so easy to, it's easy to look at your kids and your grandkids and, and to find joy there. But joy isn't like, oh, they're so cute and they're so fun and um, <clears throat> they're so fulfilling. That's not joy. Joy is the part of you that's like, look how God made that little girl. Look at, look at the way um, she bears the image of God in such a beautiful way. Even at four years old, you can see it. You look at him and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see his spiritual gifts emerge. I can't wait to see what God does with him. That, that's, the, that's the joy right there. When you recognize God's activity in your kids' lives and your honor to be their parent or their grandparent or their aunt or uncle or friend of the family or whatever it may be, those recognizing God's activity. The harder thing I, I believe is to recognize God's activity in the in the worst things life has to offer. You know, um, today marks the <clears throat> the seven year anniversary of Jonathan Wilmore's death, and uh, I was realizing this yesterday. I was like, a lot of you have no idea who that is. You know, and that is that bums me out a lot. Um, Jonathan uh, was a big part of Living Hope for a long time, and Jonathan uh, had. Uh, so, had Gaucher's disease, which is pretty rare, and um, he's the longest living Gaucher's patient that, on record. And uh, they didn't; they thought he'd just live a few years, and uh, he lived he lived a nice, full life. Um, but he lived the it was the hardest life that I've seen up close. You know, um, lots of surgeries, um, lots of social struggles because of. Uh, just what that disease had done to his body, and he got teased a lot, and you know, just just a lot, of, a lot of stuff. But um, Jonathan was a gift, and they, our understanding of Gaucher's disease, like as as a group, was that when when the disease took over, he would have kind of a slow demise, and I always dreaded having to go sit with him and say goodbye to him. You know, it was just we all dread that. And one day Jonathan had a headache and he went in to take a nap and he just went to heaven, you know. And so, you know, best nap ever, best nap ever is what I would say. But um, he, 
I don't know what's worse, having to say goodbye to him or not getting to, but they're probably equally awful, right? Um, but I remember at, he, he passed away on a Saturday. We had, we got together on Sunday night for church and we basically kind of scrapped the service because it was our, our first corporate loss. And, uh, we, we sat in the sanctuary at Grace and we, we, we cried and we laughed and we told stories and we talked about theologically what happens when you die, you know, all those kinds of things. And we had a memorial service for him not too long later. And it was this huge celebration. And it was, I had this conversation over and over again with people where they would say, you know, like I'm sad, but I'm so happy for him. That's what joy looked like for us in the midst of grief. It's our, our material selves. We, we missed him. He was absent. We didn't get to say goodbye. There's all those things we had to work through. But our souls were like, no, we're, we're a part of something that's greater. And he is free from everything that ever hindered him materially. And he is with the Lord where he always wanted to be anyway. And so how could you not celebrate him? How could you not celebrate this? And it was this conflict of emotions in a lot of ways, but that's what it looked like for us to be walking through grief, and yet joy was just this drum that was beating over and over and over with us. And I learned a lot, and I think we all did, about how, what, why joy and happiness are not the same, and why joy and circumstances going your way are not necessarily tied together, and why it isn't about a personality, and it isn't about certain expressions, why joy is a, it's something that is bigger it's just bigger than ourselves and how you can celebrate God's activity and what he has done and is doing and will do. And at the same time, you just keep walking through it. And I will say this, um, that was easier to grab onto than, uh, our family went through grief over the summer. We lost my nine year old niece, uh, nine year old, nine week old niece. Um, it was a lot harder to grab onto joy during that. And I'm st- still not too good at it, you know? And I was reminded that, that that's not lost on Jesus. That even though the instruction is to rejoice, you know, it's not lost on him. That's hard sometimes, you know? Um, He's not expecting something of us and then ready to drop the hammer on us when we're like, Lord, it's too hard right now, you know? And so in between the first advent and the second advent, we're going to go through those heartbreak times where joy is hard to grab onto sometimes. It's hard to get your soul happy. But we can still look for God's activity. I still remember with, with, with Annie Kate having to grab onto the fact that, uh, like how my theology fits into what we were going through with her loss, you know. And sometimes it was so easy to do, and other times it was really hard to do. And at no point did the Holy Spirit convict me that I was sinning or rebelling or f- coming up short. He's like, yeah, life between the first and second coming, it's hard. And when you don't have the joy to go through it, other people can and do. When you don't have the faith, others are there to hold your arms up. When, you're, when hope is kind of hard to place in the right thing, there's others around you. And so joy joy can be ours in any circumstance. But be gracious with yourself. Because God is gracious with you.
there will come a point where joy is uh, easily accessible. It'll be the, the automatic default for us for eternity. And until then, um, let's, let's make a habit of trying to identify what, what is God doing in this moment, in a relationship, in a friendship, in a marriage, in parenting, in, in a church, in a community group. How, how is God active here? And let's set that before us and look at it and weigh it out. In light of what is set before me, what do I need to do? And how can I celebrate it? It won't happen if we're, if we're distracted. You know? joy, is, joy is vacuumed out when you're distracted and you can't sense God's activity. Joy is vacuumed out when we are afraid of what people think of us or over spiritualizing something or whatever you know whatever the case may be joy is vacuumed out when our loyalty is divided but if we will be if we will be the people of god who are able to look at something and say where is he at work and what am i like what does that do to me and we learn to celebrate in all all our different forms I think we'll dial into this incredible thing that Jesus is sharing with us. And so I'm sure that in a room like this, this probably applies very differently um, to every single person. Some of you might be in the best season of your life, and joy is very easy. God's activity is very easy to identify and set before you. Others might have to look for it a little bit. I remember waiting in the in the... We weren't sure that Annie Kate was going to make it through the birth at all. And uh, we were on the waiting room, and um, I just kind of like went off by myself. I, just, I was getting restless, and, and I was discouraged, and I was fearful and all this stuff. And I was just standing in the hallway, and then I looked up, and there's this Bible verse on the wall right in front of me. And it was the same verse I had preached about the day before. Like the same verse. I was like, gotcha. Sometimes we don't even have to look maybe as hard as we think. And so I hope that you're encouraged today. If you came expecting a Christmas sermon, well, this probably isn't it. And we're not really going to sing Christmas songs today because uh, I think God's doing something different in this time. And if you want to sing Christmas songs, come back to 95. We'll, We'll hook you up. But joy is the theme of today. And God wants to share his joy with you. And so we're going to sing. We're going to um, celebrate together a little bit this morning. And um, so let me pray for us. Let's stand together. How about that? God, I'm thankful. And uh, I hope that hope that anyone who's here today who is struggling to, to really identify your activity in their lives would be encouraged today. That if, if your activity is hard to grab onto or see or sense or just whatever that may look like, I pray that you would be kind and just put a Bible verse in front of them on the wall. You know, like just meet them where they are with what they need. That you would encourage all of us and remind us all of your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And 
We're thankful that we have things to celebrate that you have done and that you are doing and that you will do. I hope this connects uh, us to you in a deep way. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So there are a few ways we're going to respond this morning. Uh, Communion, like taking the bread and dipping it in the juice and taking communion today, the, the body and the blood. That's the price he paid so that his joy could be in you and your joy could be complete and full. He set us before him and that's why he endured. And that is a tangible reminder for us this morning. You can come and you can pray. You can come on the kneel at these steps. You can come. We have some folks on the front row who would love to talk with you and pray with you, especially if you've never said yes to following Jesus. You don't need to leave without knowing what that means. And they'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that. Um, we're going to do a little singing this morning, but I'd like for you just to take just a moment and to bow your head, to close your eyes. And you just to have, before we start to sing just a moment or two with, with the Lord, whatever he may be stirring in you. And then we're going to sing a little bit together.